Book of Romans, chapter 12, and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. By the help of the Lord, I want to preach on this subject. My best belongs to God. My best belongs to God. Would you go ahead and clap your hands to Him? He's worthy and of applause with all of your heart. Lord, we exalt You and magnify You in this place. We lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are worthy, God. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, God. Thank You, God. Thank You, God. Praise God. You may be seated. Look to the person to your left and tell them, My best belongs to God. Amen. I'd be remiss to not give honor to Pastor John's. Appreciate our pastor and thankful for the privilege to serve under his leadership. And my tremendous wife and family, I honor them this morning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and all that is therein, and it was good. But then God formed Adam in his own image, and he breathed into him the breath of life. And this set Adam uniquely apart as God's most prized creation. God prepared a special place in Eden for Adam to live in, and there God instituted work as part of his master plan something we've been talking about throughout this month of October. He tasked Adam with the responsibility to work in partnership with God and manage the garden. But knowing that it was not good for Adam to be alone, God formed Eve from Adam, and he gave them dominion over, over and responsibility for all the earth, and all living creatures. Now God's handiwork, now the full spectrum of creation, was not just good, but God said now it is very good. Adam, Eve, and everything else belonged to God and existed for His good pleasure. The psalmist Wrote in Psalms 24 and 1, the earth is the Lord and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. But even when weighed against the majesty and awesome wonder of the indescribable universe that you and I call home, Adam and Eve stood out as the cherished pinnacle of God's creation and plan. They commune with God and they work for God. But tragically, sin shattered paradise. Now humanity's unrestricted access to God was severed. And now humanity's work was difficult and filled with risk and reward. Generation after generation... The prized creation rejected the Creator. 
People were self-ruled and lived for their own pleasure. Humanity engaged in the false and foolish worship of themselves and the gods of their own creation. So much so that Paul, thousands of years later, would write in his letter to the Romans and would conclusively demonstrate that every single person on the planet was universally guilty before a righteous God. He would summarize it in Romans 3 and 23 when he said, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God's original plan, perfect, and paradise had been thwarted. His prized creation had been corrupted. But nevertheless, God did not write you and He did not write I out of the script of the story of His redemptive love. God did not abandon us in the chapter of sin. God simply turned a page to a new chapter, and it was a new chapter about a new creation where God so loved you and I that even though He still owned the rights of ownership through creation, that God in all of His rights humbled Himself and He came down the earth so that He could purchase you and I all over again. He walked in our shoes. He walked in your shoes. He experienced our pain. He experienced our rejection. He endured the same temptation that you endure. And all because He thought you were worth saving. He thought you was worth giving His all for. And so there on a cruel cross on Calvary's hill, Jesus Christ, God clearly manifested in the flesh. Jesus paid the ultimate price to buy us back from the slave master of sin. Paul wrote it succinctly in Romans 5 and 8, but God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because it is amazing grace and indescribable mercy. And because of that grace and that mercy, you and I are no longer doomed to spend time or eternity separated from God. In this place and in, on this day, you and I can put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. On this day, in this place, we can be reconciled to God and be initiated into a saving covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. On this day, in spite of the tragedy of sin, in spite of paradise being shattered, in spite of what you did this very week, on this day you can confess and forsake your sinful past. On this day, you can take on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in water baptism 
and you can become a son and a daughter of the King of Kings. On this day, he who created all that is can come into you by his Holy Spirit. And on this day, he can make you a new creature in Christ with the evidence that you will speak in a language that you have never learned. It can happen right here, right now, in this place, and it can happen for every single person today. Paul continued in Romans 5 and 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's why you can't even whistle that blessed hymn without chill bumps going down your spine. But amazing grace, uh, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Uh, I once was lost, uh, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. So here we are on this day. And many of us as spirit-filled believers, and all of us who can be spirit-filled believers, have been redeemed from sin by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we belong to God. Not once, but twice. We belong to God through creation And we belong to God through redemption. This is why Paul unabashedly challenged the Corinthians in his first letter, 6 and 19. A familiar passage to some. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In case you came in here thinking that you were all that and a bag of Doritos, Paul said, let me give you a reality check and bring you down before a cruel cross and a majestic throne. You are not your own. You belong to God. And maybe this might be a news flash that shakes you. But if we belong to God, then our best belongs to God. In who we are and in all that we do. This truth that my best belongs to God is conveyed with undeniable clarity throughout Romans. Paul in Romans 6 and 13, the New Living Translation said, Do not let any part 
of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you, might I remind you, were dead. But now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Can you say amen? Amen. He created me. He redeemed me. And therefore my best belongs to God for His glory and for His honor and the advancement of His kingdom. My best belongs to God. This seems to be what Paul has in mind further down in Romans when he penned one of the most well-known passages in the New Testament that we read in our text. Paul, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Paul said, I beseech you, Christians, I beseech you, somewhere between a request and a command, Paul passionately exhorts the Roman Christians and and exhorts you and I today. He says, I beseech you, I plead with you, I am requesting of you, and I am as close to a dictator as I can. I am commanding you as an agent of God. I beseech you, therefore... Paul says, hey, I'm not wasting a word. Every word is precise. I beseech you, therefore, everything I've written to this point, from Romans 1 to Romans 11, I have brought all of humanity in the courtroom of God, and we are found guilty. I have described the futility of living by the law of the flesh, and I have given the incredible hope that you and I can live by the Spirit and that to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. Therefore, by the mercies of God, I bring to bear the full weight of all of the redemptive story of God. And I want you to know what I have articulated with precision. I bring it all to bear right now. I want you to wake up. I want you to put your phone in your back pocket. I want you to not worry about your baby right now. Paul says, listen up, Romans. Therefore, because of who he is, because when I was yet a sinner, he died for me because he reached down into the miry clay and he brought me and put me on a rock to stay. Therefore, therefore, I beseech you, Christian I beseech you, believer. I beseech you, stranger. Therefore, 
what I'm about to say. Everything I will write from this point forward, by extension, every epistle I pen, by the affirmation of the whole of Scripture, I'll include that in it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. If you struggle with what I'm about to say, church, Paul saying Romans. Christians, church, listen to me before you get your back up, before you get your excuse ready, before you get all riled up. I just want you to come back to this point. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living Sacrifice. Paul is precise. God does not merely want the gifts of worship and service that you bring to the altar. God wants the giver of the gifts. He wants you, all of you, Who you are, what you do, God wants you. And offering our best to God as a living sacrifice is not this once and for all thing. It's not a once and for all act when we are initiated into covenant with Jesus Christ. It's not a once and for all a prayer when a prophet comes through and rattles us to the core of our soul. But it is a living sacrifice. The sacrifice of our very best to God on an ongoing, ever-present basis. A holy sacrifice that is set apart unto God and He alone. And it is the only kind of offering that pleases God. And then because he's Paul, and because he's relentless, Paul concludes this one verse, that giving our best is not some noble feat of extraordinary accomplishment. It's not about all of a sudden you're going to get some great crown in your blessed jewel. It's not something to write home about. It's not something to write a book about. It's not something to go look in the mirror and go, yeah, 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 you're bad to the bone. Paul says, let me just bring you down to earth. It is your only reasonable response of true worship to God because of who he is and because of what he's done that you and I would give God our best is simply what is reasonable and expected and it just should be the outflow of gratitude for who God is. In other words, you giving God your best is no more or no less 
than the appropriate and expected response to God's amazing grace. It's more than a song. It's more than the fact that you like singing that song. It's more than the chills when you do sing the song. It is about the reality that nothing more and nothing less is my appropriate response to the mercies of God. My best belongs to God. He created me. He redeemed me. He commissioned me. He equipped me. He empowered me. And my best belongs to God. So what does that look like? And how does that play out in our weekly and daily lives? The full scope of that question is beyond our time frame today. But a starting point can be found by the reality that our best belongs to God by spending our best time with Him every day in prayer and in His Word. That I would give God my best time physically and mentally. That I would not allow the thieves of social media, email, catching up with the news, that ball game, or God forbid the show, to go on to steal my best time with God. My best belongs to God. And if you just want to get real practical, your best time of your day belongs to God. When you are most alert and when you are most focused, that belongs to God. That's just a good starting point for what does it mean that my best belongs to God. It means that my best in worship and my best in praise, whether we're singing a traditional hymn or we're singing a brand new worship song, whether it's the full voice choir or it's just a soloist, really why does it matter? He's still God and his mercies are still everlasting and you still are dependent upon those mercies. So he deserves my best. Hey, whether I'm at a joy, inspiration, or I'm at AYC, or somewhere in between, my best belongs to God. So tell me again why you can't get your hands up in adoration. So would you explain to me why your feet haven't left a carpet in 22 years? Can you help me know why you are off in another place, in another time, when we are here gathered to worship our God. Can you explain to me why the tears no longer flow down your face? All I know is my best belongs to God. I may not even like the song. It might be out of key and they may not be doing too hot of a job, but he did the best that he could ever do on a cruel cross. And my best belongs to God. My best belongs to God. That's real practical. When we applaud our hands, it's not a golf tournament. My best belongs to God. When we come together and sing, God gave me a voice. I'm not mute. My best belongs to God. Whether you're in the back or on the platform, your best 
belongs to God. That's how you put into action what Paul said. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. Nobody else is going to drag me to heaven. He's taken me to heaven. My best belongs to God. My best. Amen. He's worthy. We're not in a hurry. Why don't you just clap your hands with the best applause? Amen. God bless you. you may be seated because we're not done. My best belongs to God by serving with excellency in ministry. That's practical. That I recognize my gifts and that I utilize them for the work of his kingdom in the local church. That I give God my best. Please, by the mercies of God, when you're in the mic, but when you're on the backside of the parking lot, my best belongs to God. Whether I'm teaching those kids, your best better belong to God. Those are my kids, and those are your kids. But maybe you're just cleaning up the nursery. My best belongs to God. Maybe it's just a phone call to a first time guest letting them know this is the greatest place on the planet. Is there anything we can do? We'd love to have you be a part of our family. Your best belongs to God. Uh, serving in ministry that's just the overflow of someone who understands that by the mercies of God I must be a living sacrifice to him my best means that I am the best student that I can be so let me ask you a question students junior high primary high school college graduate are you learning are you growing in knowledge and wisdom or are you content to merely slide by and pass? Because everybody else doesn't care. I've come to challenge students that your best belongs to God. I thought it would get quiet. Parents aren't sure what to say and kids don't like me right now. Young adults don't like. What about that language class? That you're just short-term memory by an all-night quiz fest so you can pass. You have no idea what God's plan for your life is. You have no idea that God has perfectly positioned you to be in that language class. Because only God knows what he's preparing you for. And you're just going to skate through. You're just going to worry about what's on Facebook. You're just going to blow off that assignment. God forbid. My best belongs to God. What about that lab report? 
What about that essay that nobody in the class wants to write? What about that research paper? I know you don't feel the Holy Ghost. I know you feel completely unspiritual. But let me tell you something. Again, God's great adventure for your life will blow your mind. But don't shortcut the preparation. It's in giving God your best in junior high. It's giving God your best in high school. It's giving God your best in college. I know you just want to get out and make some money, but God's got something more grand than you getting a starting salary. God's got a destiny in mind. God's got a kingdom shaking, life altering, mind boggling purpose. So get off your chair and by the mercies of God, give your best to God. My best belongs to God. How do I put it into play? You can put it into play by giving God your best at work. We've talked about that a little bit. Paul said, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and Father through him. So whether you're a cashier or a custodian or the CFO, your best belongs to God. Whether you think it's a dead-end job or it is your dream job, your best belongs to God as an employee, as an employer, or as the business owner. Your best belongs to God. After writing this in Romans 12, Paul just kind of unloads the Gatlin gun and just goes. And he says so much in so little passage that it's incredible. But in Romans 12 and 11, he says, never be lazy. Not lacking in diligence, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Your best belongs to God. Doesn't matter that your employer is a moron. Maybe they are. Maybe God thinks they're a moron. But by the mercies of God, your best belongs to God. Maybe your workplace is not a place where there is any possibility of future promotion, so you think, but your past belongs to God. And I can point you to person after person in the sacred text that will demonstrate again you have no idea of God's destiny in your life. So every day when you get up, no matter where it's at, no matter how you feel, no matter what challenges you face, your best belongs to God. Overarching all of the specifics, all the nuances you want to throw out, your circumstances, nobody's ever walked in your shoes. I know that, but Paul said, I'm just going to fly high over all of that and tell you that therefore, by the mercies of God, your past belongs We could spend weeks and weeks and weeks practically applying this in our life. Paul did a pretty good job himself and he was anointed and inspired. 
So here's what you can do. Once you go home this week and read Romans 12, 13, 14, and 15. Maybe read Colossians where we've been discussing on the last couple Wednesdays employer and employee relationships. Maybe read Ephesians. Paul gives you a lot about what it means to live out giving our best to God. Here's the good news. That when you give God your best, you allow Him to unfold His amazing plan in your life with perfect pace. When you give God your best, you allow Him to perfectly position you so that you can overcome every challenge. You can seize every opportunity. You can step into every promotion and you can receive every blessing that God has purposed for you. Quit leaving those blessings on the wayside. Quit negating God's promotional plan for your life by not giving God your best. In fact, the Bible is full of ordinary people who just gave God their best. And God did extraordinary things through them for His glory and the advancement of His kingdom. Think about Joseph. Think about David. Think about Esther. Think about Daniel. Think about Daniel and God's work in his life. Even though Daniel was captured and exiled to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel decided as a young man that his best still belonged to God. Life had taken a detour and a life of royalty possibly had now become a life of an exiled captive. But Daniel said, I don't know. I could get mad and bitter. I could just become like all the other, you know, exiles in Babylon and just grumble, complain and give eye service to the king. But there is a God in heaven and he is creator over all and in his hand I exist and live and so for my best belongs to God so Daniel stayed true when he was accountable to no one and Daniel just relentlessly every day just gave God his best and the Bible says in Daniel 6 and 3 that Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king's thought to set him over the whole realm. Daniel ultimately served as the leading advisor to the pagan kings of three succeeding kingdoms. His influence served probably as one of the primary catalysts that in Babylon God's people enjoyed peace and for the most part they even prospered why because there was this young guy who just said my best belongs to God and sure the challenge is going to come and sure my convictions are going to be tested but I'm just going to wake up every day and give God my best and even as an older man Daniel still 
gave God his best. When his convictions were attacked yet again, Daniel didn't pull out his resume and say, God, you know, I did it back in the 60s. I did it back in the 90s. Lord, you saw how active I was in 2010. I think my resume looks pretty good. I'm just kind of going to go into semi-spiritual retirement. Daniel said, not on my life. My past belongs to God. So though he was an older man, he stood strong and he kept praying anyway, even when it meant being thrown into a lion's den. But you know what God did for that elder statesman? He shut the mouths of the lions and the name of the Lord was exalted by a pagan king throughout a pagan empire. Why? Because Daniel said, when I'm a young man my best belongs to God but when I'm an old man my best still belongs to God for his glory and for the advancement of his kingdom think about Paul think about Paul who penned most of what we have examined today he didn't just write it he lived it he practiced what he preached To the Philippians, he said, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul intentionally lived every day according to this truth. My best belongs to God. Today, it belongs to God. And when he reached the end of his life, this was his testimony. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I didn't stumble. I didn't crawl across the line. I didn't fall backwards across the line. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing because he created me, he redeemed me, he called me, he equipped me, he empowered me and my best belongs to God. Nothing more and nothing less that by the mercies of God that I present myself a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is my reasonable service. What would happen all across our city and throughout our world if every single one of us just started today giving God our best. What great exploits 
would God do in us and through us for His glory if we, starting today, would just give God our best. God doesn't require you to look to anyone else. God doesn't want you to measure yourself by anyone else. God just says, I just want your best. So here is the primary question of my entire sermon. Are you giving God your best? Are you giving God your best? And I follow it up with the second and final question. If not, why not today? Why not make today the first day of an all-consuming pursuit of God's holy call and purpose for your life? The first step, if you cannot stand before the mirror of God's word and say, God, I'm giving you my best, then the first step today is always repentance. Total transparency, full disclosure. God, I have not, but from this point forward, I will. And I will give you my best. Would you close your eyes and join me in prayer? Jesus, I'm thankful. I'm grateful and I'm overwhelmed by your mercy and your grace. That with no guarantee for how I would respond, still a dirty sinner, you trudged up Calvary's heel and you were nailed to that cross. God, my best belongs to you. Would you lift your voice and join me in prayer? Lord, my best belongs to you and you alone. God forbid my business, my employer, my hobbies, my entertainment get the best of me, God. My best belongs to you. God, today standing before your holy throne, I pray that if I'm not giving you my very best, God, today I ask that you would let us vividly remember your extravagant love and mercy for us. I pray, Lord God, today you would let us remember the high cost of Calvary. I pray today there would be burned into our mind the portrait of your ravaged body hanging on a cross, your tattered back, the crown of thorns crushing into your skull, the gaping holes where nails ripped your hands and feet on that cross. You gave up everything and you gave me your best. Today, God, I can do nothing less than to give you my 
past. And today I give it all back to you. My best belongs to you. If you're able, please stand. My best belongs to God. And if that is your desire today, I'm asking you to come forward to the altar, to move forward from your chair, your row, to an aisle as an act of faith and a step of commitment that starting today, my best belongs to God. Maybe today is your first time here. It all starts with repentance. Whether we've been a believer for 50 years or this is our first time to ever hear a message from Scripture, it all starts with repentance. So I'm inviting all of us, friend, guest, member, if, you're, if today your heart desire is to give God your best, I'm asking for a commitment by the Word of God and the mercies of God. I'm asking you to move if it's three chairs to the right or left or one row forward. But today, by the direction of the Holy Ghost, I'm asking you to move as an act of faith and a step of commitment. Because by the mercies of God, my best belongs to God. Would you close your eyes and would you just commit your heart, your way, and your day to the Lord Jesus Christ. All across this sanctuary, lift up your heart, lift up your voice, and before a holy God, would you commit your best to Him as they lead us in worship. My best belongs to God.